today we um, Terry led us in communion, and uh, and we often talk about communion, and and what it took Jesus to bring that about, for us to sit here today, and to be able to take the bread, and the juice, the cup, and to celebrate what he did. But it took an obedience of Christ for that to happen. The plan of the Godhead was that at a point in time Jesus would come and he would offer himself as a sacrifice on a cross in humility and great pain and take upon himself the sins of the world. How horrific. And he did that in obedience to the Father. Over the past few weeks, we've been uh, 13 weeks and then finishing off last week, we have been looking at all of the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus talking to his disciples and saying this is how you should live. Or you've heard people say but I want to tell you that this is how you should live. Now, it's all very nice. Like it's been good sitting here and listening to it, hasn't it? So what do we do with it? We could come along to church and say, yeah, They were great sermons. As we listened to all of that, that was just excellent. And all those different things that I might have heard or be reminded of or heard for the first time, that was really good. Just going in the memory bank. Or we could what? Be obedient. Oh, be obedient. It's easy to be obedient, isn't it, Rob? No. No. It's not, is it? Parents, how do you feel when your kids are obedient? How do you feel when you, when you say something to your kids and, and it's for their own good and da-da-da-da-da and, they, and they're obedient to it? How do you feel, Jude? It is awesome! <laughs> it is great! What a strange feeling, hey, Jude? How do you feel, how do you feel as parents when you sit down, you explain things to your kid and try to reason with them and so forth and they go and do the, other, the opposite. Just like you <laughs> there's no need for honesty, Rob. Rod, you know, Ron, there's, there's, there's just, you know, this whole thing, the sinful nature just comes out all the time, doesn't it? And I was looking at my uh, little grandson, Tarkin, last night. We, we went out for tea for my birthday and... And there he was standing on this little island in a car park and there were cars coming through, quite slow, but Millie called out to him and said, Tarkin, stop. To my great surprise, he stopped. (laughs) Why would I be surprised? Because I know what human nature is like. But you know, all of the scriptures, all of them, 
They're wonderful and so often we sit here and listen to them. And the obedience just goes out the window. It's not that we want to. It's not that we don't want to do what all the things that Christ says. You know, we often repeat a a verse here. It's common for us for a whole bunch of reasons. And it's Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And we often talk about it for, uh, uh, you know, in the whole area of, of uh, evangelism and, and all sorts of things. Last week we used it because we talked about the authority that was given to Jesus. And it's Matthew 28, 18 to 20 and it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we looked at Jesus' authority and then we look at this verse here in a slightly different context. So here's the authority I've been given, so here's therefore a command. Go and make disciples, live your life before people, speak my words to them, bring them, encourage them to come to me because of what you know I have done for you and for them. And I have told you about the fact that what is their end if they don't come to me? And I offer them the same salvation that I have offered you. You have accepted it. You now have eternal life. You now have the Holy Spirit living within you. So go, live your life before people and draw them to me. And when they come, baptise them. Today we're looking at baptism. And what does it mean and how does it affect us? And, And do we really need it? Because surely baptism's by, oh, sorry, salvation is by faith alone. Why would I need to be baptised? Really? I had a bath, I had a shower last night, I'm clean, got new clothes on, living as a Christian. Really? Do I need to? Baptism identifies us with the one who saves us. Baptism identifies us with the one who says, we are saved through the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. How often Sunday after Sunday we look at this table, we partake of the emblems of his death, burial and resurrection. How often from this platform do we talk on that very subject of his death, burial and resurrection? We identify with this by not only accepting Jesus as our Lord and Saviour but by going through the waters of baptism to symbolise the death of the old nature or life and going into the water, the burial of the old nature in going under the water and being raised to new life in Christ by coming out of the water. So simple. So simple. God has given us such simplicity in our salvation. 
When you look at the things that he has done, as I said last week, if you had to create a list for your salvation, what might that list look like? And yet he says simply, come and accept that all I have done for you. And then when he talks about remembering him day by day for our strength and remembering of the things that he's done, he gave us bread. He gave us drink that will remind us of the wonderful gift that he's given to us. And when he gives us something that symbolises our salvation, it is water to go under that symbolises his death and burial and then the coming up out of the water which just gives us that wonderful symbolism of rising out of death into the new life it's all for us. It wasn't for him. It was for you and for me. Whilst being symbolic, Jesus placed a lot of importance on it. If not, why would he have said this? Go and make disciples, baptising them in the name of the Father. He brought in the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, the triune God who brought about our salvation. God the Father who planned it. Jesus who was obedient to bringing it to fruition and the Holy Spirit who then indwells us after salvation. We are adopted into his family and he gives us the Holy Spirit as that identification mark in the new family of God who gives us strength to live day by day and keeps us in touch with the one who loves us. John was baptising for the repentance of sin. Jesus, if you remember Matthew 3, 13 13 to 15, Jesus came down onto the bank and there was John who was baptising in the Jordan and Jesus went down into the water to John. And John recognised who it was. And John was almost horrified by the thought that Jesus, the Son of God, the one that he was proclaiming, the one who said was going to come, whose shoes I'm not even worthy to untie, he came down himself for baptism. Did Jesus need to repent of any sin? No, not at all. So you could imagine how John felt. And he, John, said to him, you you don't need to come, you should be baptising me. But Jesus said, for the sake of all righteousness, I will be baptised today. to fulfil all righteousness. Rob spoke to us about in the section on the law in the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus said, I haven't come to do away with the law. I've come to fulfil the law. I've come to make the law alive to you. 
I've come to show you that the law is not, has been, the law is not irrelevant. I've come to fulfil it. And so when Jesus went down into the waters that day, it wasn't for repentance, but it was for fulfilment of the law and to show the importance that he placed on the word of God. The Levitical law required that all priests were to be consecrated when they began their ministry at about 30 years of age. Numbers 4.3 and then in Numbers 4.30 it's reiterated, from 30 years old and above, even to 50, you shall number them. Everyone who enters the service to do the work of the tabernacle of meeting, this encompassed washing and then anointing. And then Luke tells us that now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age. And so Jesus went down into the water that day and was baptised in obedience for his ministry to come because he was coming as the high priest. He was coming to offer the sacrifice to everyone who was living on the earth. Not just a little lamb, but he was coming to offer himself as the perfect Lamb of God. And so to fulfil the law in every part of it, he needed to have the washing and the anointing that was for all of the priests. And so he went down to the water that day, he was washed in the waters of the Jordan and he was anointed. Was he anointed just with some oil on the head, Rob? He was anointed by the Father who sent down the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove. And God the Father proclaimed that day, this is my beloved Son. And he could have gone on with so much many, so many more words. He could have said, this is the one whom I've anointed to be the great high priest. Listen to him. Watch him. See him. He will offer to you before me he will offer himself as the perfect Lamb of God. He is the great High Priest. In obedience to the Father, in obedience to the fulfilment of the law, he went down into the waters and he was baptised. And in that It was as if that day John was handing over the baton. John the forerunner, John the one that went before Jesus who was calling to repentance. It was as if that day he was able to step back and say, the one I've been telling you about now takes up the baton. Listen to him. You know, baptism is not an easy thing. It wasn't in those days for people and it's not today. Do you remember when Jonathan James was here and he put that photo up on the wall and it was of a a person being baptised in India? And what did he say for the baptiser? was 10 years imprisonment. 
and the same for the baptizer. Did I I remember that correctly? Ten years imprisonment for both of them. There are countries in the world today where if you are caught being baptised, it is a death penalty. Jesus places great importance on the things that he has said. When he starts off this verse, he says, all authority has been given on heaven and earth to me and this is what I'm passing on to you. Bring people to me and baptise. In this church, we believe in full immersion baptism. Under here is a baptismal tank and we have it for convenience. If there was a river running down the side here instead of a railway crossing or a railway line, it may be easy just to go down there except it possibly wouldn't be quite as comfortable in a winter's morning. And we're all about comfort, aren't we? <laughs> anyway, under there is a, is, a, is a baptismal tank and we walk down in there. We haven't used it yet. We haven't used it yet. With the new building and, and, and so forth, we, we look forward to it. But we look, we, we, we believe in full immersion baptism. The word baptizo, the Greek word baptizo, means to plunge, to dip, to immerse something in water. When John was baptising, Mark 1 tells us that he was baptising in the River Jordan. He wasn't baptising beside it. He wasn't baptising by it, near it. He was baptising in it. Mark also tells us that when Jesus baptised, he came up, was baptised into the water and he came up out of the water. When we look at baptism in the Bible, it is always, it seems, by full immersion. It was done when there was enough water to fully immerse the people. Acts 8, 38. When Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, You know, in the, it's interesting with, with Philip and the eunuch. They were travelling along in a carriage. In that carriage would have, and it was very customary at the time, not that I was there, though apparently it was customary at the time, that there would have been water in the carriage because it was a long journey, it was dry, it was uh, customary that water always was carried. So if it didn't need to have a decent amount of water where a person was going to be baptised, immersed in the river, they could have actually poured water over in the carriage as they went along. Didn't even need to stop. But the eunuch, after believing what Philip had said and accepting the words that he'd said for his salvation, he said, here's water out here. What stops me today from being baptised? And they stopped the carriage and they went down and it says they went down into the water and he was baptised and he came up out of the water. Romans 6, 3-4 Or don't you know that all of us were baptised into Christ Jesus 
who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was baptised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Colossians 2.12 says, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. You know, this truth is clearly symbolised by baptism, by immersion. When the candidate goes into the water, is the picture of going down into the grave. Raising up out of the water is the picture of being raised with Christ to walk in newness of life. We also believe in believer's baptism. So what do I mean by believer's baptism? We believe that a person is baptised after they have received Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. We were not saved by we are not saved by baptism. Ephesians two clearly tells us that we are saved by grace alone and not by works. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In the Bible, a person is always baptised after they believe. Baptism is an act of obedience associated with salvation. When we, when we read in the scriptures, it is always the case that as the apostles preached the word and people came to the Lord, whether it be a mass conversion or just one, it was after they believed the word after they had received Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, they then made the decision to be baptised. In the calling, or, or in the verse we read at the beginning, make them disciples, then baptise them. Now, in the case of child baptism, a passage that is commonly used is that of Acts 10, when the whole household of Cornelius came to the Lord and were baptised. But there's nothing to suggest that there were any inference. In that, in that household. If Peter came to my house and my household came to Christ, well, the youngest would be 19 and that old. And so we've got to be careful in using passages that say the whole household was baptised. It's the same in Acts 16 when Paul and Silas were in prison and the earthquake had released them, if you remember that. And the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul said to himself, don't harm yourself, we're all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas and he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? You see, he said that because he'd been hearing what they were saying. He'd been hearing what was going on. And they replied, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in the house. And and, and, and the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Verse 33 there says, immediately, if we go back, the household were baptised. 
But it doesn't say there are any infants there. So we need to be careful that when we say the whole family came to the Lord, they could have been older. And when we look at that in the balance of the rest of scriptures, a person's got to be able to accept Jesus as Lord and Saviour before the uh, before the baptism. And the Bible says, make disciples and baptise them. It's about obedience on the part of both parties. For us, who are leading people to Christ, to teach the whole truth, and for those who accept Christ, to step out in faith and accept not only salvation, but baptising as well. So when should a person be baptised? When Philip shared the gospel with the eunuch in Acts 8, the eunuch said after believing the message, here is water, what is stopping me from being baptised? It is always the pattern in the New Testament that when a person was baptised, they immediately, sorry, when a person accepted Christ, they immediately were baptised. This is because it was the symbol of what has happened to them and they were to take on the new life and character of Christ. You know, when I came to Christ, I was 12 years old and uh, the Sunday after I became a Christian, I went and spoke to one of the elders and he said, oh, well, look, just wait and see how you go and see if Jesus is real in your life. That's fine and I, I completely understand but it's not scriptural. It's not what the Bible says and if we're going to follow a pattern the pattern the pattern's best to come from the scripture. The best patterns are those that are given to us by God. It's not our place to make judgment on people's salvations. Because there'll be times when you look at me and say, Are you sure you're a Christian? And I'm sure that you can say the same thing to me. In the same way as Rob said, it's not easy to be obedient, is it, Rob? And Rob would also go on to say, there are times when we fail. But when God looks at us, he looks at us through what Christ has done for us. When we lead someone to Christ, and I've done this in the past, and especially with children, I always ask them to immediately go and tell someone. Immediately go and tell mum and dad or go and tell your cabin leader at, at, at camp. Or go and tell one of the elders at, at, at church if it was at Sunday school. I immediately told them to go and tell someone and they would do that. Why do you think I would do that? An immediate strengthening comes to them. To go out immediately and say, I've just accepted Jesus as my saviour. I've just become a Christian. And then I say to him, don't stop telling people because there's a strengthening in making it public. There's a boldness that comes within us in making it public. And you know, in so many ways it's the same with baptism. To make it public creates a boldness, creates a strengthening within us. You know, in the, uh, when Jesus was speaking to the people and especially his disciples on the side of that hill in the Sermon on the Mount he talked about the light to light the path you can't 
A, a light's no good if it has a cover over it, is it? A light's no good if you put it into a corner and then, you know, like put something there so no one can see it because they don't want you to, you know, they don't want to know. You know, Jesus publicly allowed himself to be hung on a cross. Jesus publicly identified with us in this area of sin. Jesus publicly allowed himself to be taken and beaten. And we need to be prepared when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour and we want all the benefits of that. Oh, we want the benefits of salvation, don't we, Terry? We want the benefits. It's true. We want the benefits. And that's because that's why we accepted Jesus. We want the benefits. But we also need to take the responsibility. We also need to take the obedience. We also need to be able to stand up and say, yes, I'm with him. So what if, if we've had infant baptism? Is there anything wrong with that? No, there's not. Not at all. It's an interesting question and one that I have been asked at different times and, and you might have a different opinion to me but I'm up here and you're down there so I'm going to give you mine. <laughs> I'd ask the question for those who've had infant baptism, were you a Christian when you were baptised the first time? Because if we look at the scriptures, it says become a Christian, then be baptised. Did you make the decision to be baptised the first time? Obviously, you didn't. The Bible indicates that it is we who would make the decision to accept Christ. It is we who should make the decision to be baptised in obedience to his command. Many parents have their children baptised in very good faith through their own understanding and from what they have been taught. Your parents possibly wanted the best for you in relation to your going to heaven when you die. So made the decision for you to be baptised and in their understanding of what the scriptures says. They weren't rejecting the scriptures when doing this. They were acting out of their understanding and the teaching that they have received from the scriptures. But you now need to act in obedience to your understanding now that you have accepted Jesus Christ as Saviour. So the choice is yours. Accepting Christ as Saviour and being baptised. Have you made a stand for Christ? Have you become one of his disciples? Have you stood up and said, I want the benefits of being a Christian. I want the benefits of being a child of God. I believe completely that Jesus died on the cross for me and it was through his blood that was shed as the perfect Lamb of God that today I can stand here 
and say that I am a child of God not because of anything I have done but because of all that he has done. And today I am prepared to stand up for him in public and say I want to be baptised. You know in a country like this you're probably not going to get killed for it. In a country like this You're not going to go to a jail for it. It may offend some people. There may be people in your family who would be offended by it. But the scripture says, and it says it very clearly, that the gospel is an offence to some and foolishness to others. So there might be people today that when you go through the waters of baptism may be offended because you were baptised when you were a baby so you don't need to do this. Or they might say, that's just silly. He's going down into some water because they don't understand the reality of what baptism is and the obedience of Christ calling us to it. The gospel is an offence to some and foolishness to others. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your word. It sheds a little light on our feeble minds, shows us in a simple way all that you have done for us. I can't imagine the complexity of salvation and yet you give it to us in such a simple way. Christ died. Christ bought our freedom by his death on the cross and all we have to do is accept that and we gain all the benefits that that brings but then you ask us to be obedient, to live a life that is worthy of the calling that we have. And one of those things is baptism. And you call us to simply go down into the water as a symbol of, 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 uh, of what Christ has done for us, that he gave his life and went down into death and was buried and going down into the water and going down under the water but then rising up in new life with Christ. What a glorious thing. How simple and yet how profound. I thank you for that. You are a good God. Father, help us all in the area of obedience. Keep before us in our memories, in our minds, day by day of the words Jesus spoke in the Sermon on the Mount in how we are to live. It's not just about doing, it's about being. And the heart is a powerful thing. It's not just about doing, it's about our thoughts not just our actions. Help us to be reminded constantly 
about your word, your requirements and our obedience to it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.